it was a good intro and here we're doing it again this is um this has been crazy this has been like the best most eventful edition of the modern recordist uh we've had console problems we've had brain farts and all of the above this is episode 27 of the modern recordist the one that almost didn't happen and uh it is happening thank god it is happening and i'm super excited i'm here with some uh some old friends the band dead cures dead cures <laughs> that when that that brain fart didn't get the best of me you'll figure that out in a minute um my uh my old pal sharon coltick is in the studio with me here and uh we she's been on before um uh with another band way back when i think you were um you were well you were yeah you were um so before we relaunched you were when we had this uh, the show we were calling it calling it the glass onion recording show and you were on with your old band Kinkador, mm-hmm. and um you were the first guest ever and it was awesome and then we paused for a minute relaunched here we are again this is it this is awesome so back with dead cures excited to talk about you and uh, your new project thank you guys for being here this is episode 27 of the modern recordist i got uh, my in-studio guests we're gonna have a good um hour and a half here this is the podcast where we explore how to design and live your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary discussing inspiring creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world on this podcast we sit down with musicians songwriters artists producers and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions i'm your host john stinson a national based producer and recording engineer collector of experiences lifelong learner lifelong teacher and artistic visionary in my own right and thank you for listening to this episode 27 of the modern recordist and uh as usual we're going to get right into it with some new music from Dead Cures. We're going to jam. Uh, let me turn on this reverb, and uh, you guys you guys blast us. Let's do it. Young Tom Dunn 
uh, killer. Killer, killer, killer. Welcome back. Thanks for having us back. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm glad to have you back. This is killer. Lower this down. Yeah, get your guys settled down and we'll uh, we'll uh, get yourselves comfortable. Cool. This is good. Cozied in and we'll uh, we'll get comfortable with each other here. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Awesome. It's good to see you again. Good to see you. Thanks for um. Thanks, thanks for thanks for being you, Sharon. <laughs> You're awesome. That's all I know yeah. how to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dead Cures here with Dead Cures. We've got Sharon, Michael, and Evan. What's up? So, What's uh, up, buddy? Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you all for being here. Um, yeah, you guys want to... Why don't you guys... Um, here's something that I've never really had a guest do before, I guess, is like kind of go around and maybe like maybe introduce yourself a little bit and like what you play in the band and, and that kind of thing, so... Um, I don't know. Yeah, Do you want to start? Yeah. Um, uh, this is Sharon Coltick. I play bass guitar and I sing vocals, and I'm a co-writer in the group. And yeah, we just have a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm Evan Buchanan. Play drums for Dead Cures. And totally agree. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> and collaborate and uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I am Michael Kissack. I am a guitar player in the group Dead Cures. Yes, you are a guitar player. Quite, <laughs> quite the guitar player. We were geeking out a minute ago um, as I was scrambling around with us. We're, we're sitting in a um, spaghetti, spaghetti bowl of uh, studio wires. And as I was um, stirring the pot, we were geeking out on some uh, guitar geekery. Who are some of your, who are some of your, your um, guitar geek heroes? Uh, n number one has got to be David Gilmore. Man. Yeah. Uh, Brian May. Okay. I love Brian May. But even uh, even newer guys, man, like. Uh, if you want to get just a little bit closer to that mic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Sorry, guys. Yeah. But even uh, some of the newer guys, man, like Nick Valencia and Albert Hammond Jr., guys from The Strokes, uh, Claudio okay. Sanchez, okay. okay. Yeah, I eat all that stuff up. Yeah. But I still go back and listen to Satch and all that stuff. Okay, I was going to say, are you, now that we're like recording, are you going to be uh, are you going to be shy about it and not admit like no, his, no, no, <laughs> name no, drop still, some of those guys? Yeah. No, I still go back and yeah. listen to all those guys. Eric Johnson yeah. is, is amazing. Dude, yeah. Satriani is great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, any anyone that I can get my my ears into that I think uh, that I think knows what they're doing, yeah. I'll, I'll give a listen. Yeah, you know, that's killer. When did you start playing guitar? Uh, I've had a guitar for a long time, man. Honestly, as one of the first gifts I remember getting, my grandmother got me when I was like six or seven. Red Saturday Night Special Ibanez, but uh, I didn't really start getting serious until I was around twelve. You know, a couple of guys okay. from school had a guitar and a bass, and I remember yeah. hanging out, and I was like, I got one of those in my closet, man. Yeah. I was like, let me grab mine and see what happens. Yeah. And it's just been uh, it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, we may have connected a little bit on that because you were on the show last time as well. You were you were part of our uh, our inaugural show. Yes, I back, was. Back um, that was like February, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been that long. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, but like at the same time, it feels like it hasn't like been any time. Like, I don't know. In one respect, it feels like that was like a year or two ago. In the other respect, it's just like it was either two years or two weeks ago. I know. Yeah, yeah it was one absolutely. of those things, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. So cool. What about you with drums? When did you uh, When did you get into that? Let's see. Uh, I started playing drums. I think in middle school when I was about thirteen, and began some lessons. Played in the middle school band, then went on to high school. Played in the jazz band and the pep band, and did that whole thing. And then college, played in some cover bands, and then after college and graduate school, you know, did some more cool original bands, and then landed with Dead Cares and Killer. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I don't think I've ever have we we probably have probably asked you about like when you got into all this like picked up the bass but bass 
was that that wasn't your first i played like in my family everybody was just like had to take music lessons and okay so, as like a young girl i'd play violin okay and like my sisters played my sister played violin and my older sister played flute and but like playing in bands with my friends i started doing probably when i was like 13 same kind of age and my dad had a guitar in the house a bass in the house and so uh it was just kind of like evan's story it was just like uh had some buddies who had a, a drum set and i was like oh i have a bass yeah I'll bring my bass, we'll jam. Yeah. And it was yeah. just yeah. like, that was the end of it. Yeah. I was like, didn't know how to play, but I was just, we got together and something about that just felt great. Right. I suddenly had like a medium to relate to people. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, so but you've been known to bust out the trumpet on stage yeah. too sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. I started doing that in middle school, just like school band. Yeah. And I play, I just, I would just, I loved band. I mean, I was yeah. just like absolutely as nerdy as possible. Yeah. I played like trumpet in the <laughs> jazz band, in the marching band, in the band for the basketball team, like okay. any band. Yeah. Okay. And then so, I played like bass for the, all the theater performances. I played in like the oh, really? orchestra. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Okay. Just okay. Everything. And then yeah. with my friends. So, so here's a, here's a question for you. What's um, the Sharon Coltick of high school versus the Sharon Coltick of <laughs> Nashville's, you know, one of Nashville's rock darlings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the if you were going to how difference? about like if you were going to sum it up maybe what the um what the I don't know, I don't want to say difference, but the contrast or the or the evolution what if you're going to sum it up in like just a few words there's like a, a positive side and a negative side of changes, <laughs> right? I think there's a there's a a little nugget of me that stayed the same, where just that pure joy of getting together with friends and playing music, that's always been there, and that's always what's uh, driven me forward, because I remember having conversations with some of my like girlfriends that play music, and they would just go, oh Sharon is so great, you're still playing music and all this stuff. I go, well, I don't know what else to do, you know, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I deeply enjoy sitting alone in a room just like writing a song on my mm -hmm. instrument and they go oh well that's why i stopped because all i wanted to do was stand on stage and have everyone look at me okay okay <laughs> so i think i've maintained that just like pure joy with it but as as i've gotten into trying to make it like a thing that supports my life like a business it's just been sort of takes a little bit of your spark away because mm -hmm. you're you're fighting so many things and and you start okay audio dropout right in the middle of sharon's answer um we're not gonna like for some the powers whatever once you know there we're having a lot of um, um resistance today but we're gonna channel our stephen pressfield who in here has read the war of art have we talked about this yeah. before so like it's probably I keep bringing that up. It's like the number one most referenced book on this podcast, and uh, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna somehow make some make make that profitable for me somehow or another. But in any case, he talks about the resistance, and the resistance is strong today, my friends. But we're stronger. We're gonna we're we're Jedi warriors of music. We had a, we just had an audio dropout, but we were you know I was just um I was just asking you about you know we gotten into sing Sharon Coltick. High school versus Sharon Coltick today, mm -hmm. the evolution, and um, you know you were talking about spending a lot of time um, playing and a lot of different, you know, doing a lot of different things in terms of like um, 
different school programs that you're involved in and what you got, um, what you, what you really got found where you found reward in uh, doing music and things like that. That's kind of, I think where we were at before you got cut off rudely by pro yeah. tools. And we were just kind of talking about what, what's the difference between, you know, sharing culture kid and sharing culture. Yeah. Kid. And I think maybe it's just, uh, um, you know, your awareness kind of grows outward from mm-hmm. yourself in high school. You're real like, centralized on how you feel and what you think and just that sort of little orb that only mm-hmm, goes out mm-hmm. a couple inches yeah. and, and as as I've gotten older I, uh, that that sphere gets bigger and bigger and bigger and starts to involve other people and uh, and uh, you start to learn that like uh, you know everybody's got their own agenda mm-hmm. the worst mm-hmm. It's always good to figure out what that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's just been a lot more of uh, managing that and and kind of being able to protect myself as the vulnerable artist person, Mm -hmm. yet still like be brave enough to go interact and be fierce and be like strong and be like, you know, I always call it the stone cold Sharon, where I can just like be harsh. And as an artist, like you kind of don't want to be that. You want to just be gentle. Right open to everything what what musically um speaking of because there's all kinds of different types you know obviously i didn't i'm not sure if you guys are aware of this but there's all different types of music out there (laughs) 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 but uh but you know so like i think i'm I, i i don't know part of my where i've been at lately is really like kind of what you just sort of said i don't know um i like to think of myself as more of coming from the place of like positivity, I guess, or like, I guess gentleness. Um, but like, I guess my word would mean more like just being kind to people and good to people and things like that. But at the same time, you know, rock music is edgy, right? You know, rock music's edgy and rock music's kind of like sexual and rock music makes you ask questions and think about things and pushes your boundaries and pushes the envelope and it's controversial and all that stuff. But it's also, you know, then there's also kind of like the message of the sort of like peace and love, kind of like the John Lennon thing and all that. And so there's a lot of different places to draw on. And, you know, when the, the, because it's interesting for me, like there's music that really, I like things like the Deftones, Marilyn Manson, the Smashing Pumpkins, that kind of stuff. But that stuff isn't sweet. It's not. You, you don't really use the word positive right. to to describe necessarily that music. It's not like, oh, I got such a positive message from Marilyn Manson. But he does make you think, right? And that kind of stuff. And it does evoke like. I was thinking about this because I'm like, you know, I want to be a good person. I want to, I want to have morals. I want to bring the best out in people. I want to be the type of person that people think, wow, that guy's like a leader that brought the best out in me. And so I was kind of like reflecting on that and thinking like, you know, but I really like jammed of things like the Deftones a lot of times. Like, what is it about that? You know, I was just kind of like pulling out what it is that I get out of that and what like something like music like the deftones can do what it what it does because it creates an impact it does something and it's not like just this complete i don't believe it's like negativity it 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 evokes things that need to be evoked out of people power i would say like i would say something like marilyn manson or deftones or something like that it's like it it evokes a power and like and for some people maybe there's like they need empowerment like they they are like maybe they're they live their life in such a way that they just sort of 
are a doormat to everyone or whatever. They're too passive. They don't stand up for themselves. And like, maybe that gives them, but I was, I was really, what I'm getting at is the question is like, what do you find yourself when you think of it that way? Like, what do you find? So there's like, there's always the question of like, what are you listening to? What are your influences? What are, you know, from an artist perspective, where do you draw influences and things like that? But I'd like to maybe go one deeper and, and, and ask, I'll throw this out to like really anybody. I don't want to just single you out, but I'd love to hear from you too. I'd love this, those guys yeah. to answer that question. But first, I just want to say one thing about what you're saying about like feeling that desire to be a leader and be a positive influence. And uh, I've thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Because when we were starting this group, we're going like, what are our values? What do we want to say? Like we feel this responsibility because mm-hmm. I feel that music has a huge impact. So. I just came down to the understanding that, you know what, it's not my job to tell people how to live their lives. Mm-hmm. People don't look for instructions from art. You know, they look for, like, uh, just permission to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for me and for us, we've kind of gotten into that zone where you go, well, let's just let people ask questions. What can we do mm-hmm. to make people just think about something? Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. So then, then it takes away that. Uh, yeah right i think that's i think that's that's super profound because and and before i just kind of speak into that for a second um because i found that really um to like to empower people it's not about saying let me teach you you need to do this and i have all the answers because nobody really does and really what it's about is just kind of like asking questions you know, well, most of the time, like what I found when I've had a lot of breakdown, and what I've when I've gone to people and 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 had a breakthrough, and then what I've observed through the processes, usually the first thing that they do is approach it, and they're not saying like do this, do that, do this, do that. The people who are really like some people do, right? Some people do that, but the people who are really effective that you come away and you're going like, wow, what just happened? Like everything's changed for me now. Those people are the people who are just asking questions. They're asking you questions about, well, what's behind that? Like you feel this way. This is happening. What's behind that? Why do you think that that might be happening? What do you think that you could do to change that situation? And they get you thinking, right? You don't know. Like when you sit down, you're going, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know anything. But you start – people. somebody starts pulling these questions out of you. It's in you, right? It's it's in you. I think that we all have it in us. It's just about – you know, that's what I think that human interaction and connection is about is like having high quality in, in connection where I can facilitate pulling it out of you so that all of a sudden it can come into your consciousness or whatever. I think that's brilliant, though. It's a great observation because really yeah. it that's really what music is about, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So anyway, that's kind of like the question, I guess, really is that I throw out to you is um, and you can answer too. feel in, feel free to chime in. But that idea of like, you know. What you listen to, you're drawing in because we talked about like guitar geeks, right? Like right. the 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 stuff that you the, like. I listen to was like I admire these guitar players, these David Gilmore's and all this kind of stuff. And there's that, right? As a guitar player, that I feel like I'm this thing's sinking on me. But there's a like as a guitar player, the things that I draw inspiration from, just like playing, right? Right. But but like taking it deeper, and what do you listen to in terms of like thinking about? Maybe you've never really like consciously thought about this before. But like in terms of like why – what's behind that? Why do I really listen to that? What am I really getting out of it? What am I like – you know, how is it shaping me? There's the – you know, what is it about 
David Gilmore or Pink Floyd or any of that versus like something else that you might choose to listen to and why there's the, there's the artistic influence, but then there's the impact that it has on you, you know, like, and so I don't know, talk about that maybe for a second, like what you're listening to from that perspective, thinking about it in that way. Well, for for me personally, it's a, it really is a day to day thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like you said, uh, music can pull out the best in people and also help you work through a time that you're in, you know? So, for example, they were, you were talking about, like, the Deftones and Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. There will be days where I'm at work and I'm just having an awful day. But as opposed to getting my aggression out by yelling at somebody mm-hmm. or taking it out on an inanimate object, you know, I will throw on some every time I die. And literally, I can just feel that, you know, because it's powerful, aggressive mm-hmm. music, but you can feel that start to absorb your own aggression Mm -hmm. and that own power that you had inside Mm -hmm. and kind of just, you know, settle yourself down. And, you know, on the other side of things, man, if I'm having an amazing day and uh, I'm in a great mood and I'm feeling bubbly, I might throw on some Hepcat Mm -hmm. or some Elvis Costello or Saves the Day, you know, just uh, to me, the music that I listen to that day is really mirroring how I feel, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. Now, when I get into stuff like Satriani or Eric Johnson or, you know, Hendrix or Jimmy Page, and I'm listening to that, uh, for me, really, it's, it, I don't want to call it work, uh, and I don't want to call it career-oriented, but I know as a musician that I need to spread my portfolio out. Mm-hmm. You know, I really want to get those influences, and I want to hear these amazing guitar players, because they're amazing and they're famous and they're popular for a reason. So I want to delve into that and see what... What are you doing? What notes are you going to? What rhythms are you playing in that I wouldn't naturally think of myself? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, you know, uh, of course, like David Gilmore is just a guy I love. Queen is a band that I, I love almost more than any other older rock. Okay, band. so what what um, what do you think is the, essence, is the essence of that? What is it that draws you to Queen? Queen, honestly, my big draw to that is the amount of classical music that they throw in rock and roll and how they do it so well. And also a lot of it is Freddie Mercury's voice. I... I don't know if it'll make sense, but to me, his voice is timeless. You know, there's some bands you can listen to from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even the 80s, and you can tell exactly what year they were from. Mm -hmm. You you listen to that, and you're like, oh, they're of this time. Mm -hmm. When I listen to Mercury, it just sounds like he was playing music, man. Like, he was playing his heart and soul. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that for the whole band. And to get a group of guys together that can do something that well... It's just a rarity. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the Beatles, man. Some of their older stuff definitely has a, a timestamp on it, you know. Right. But you get into stuff like uh, Revolver or the White Album or Let It Be, and to me that stuff is timeless. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, it doesn't have this really essence of the '70s more than it has an essence of what those guys wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Awesome, man. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, what about you? What do you? What do you? Um, why do you choose to listen to what you listen to outside of, you know, sure. I'd love to hear about like your musical influences sure. and stuff. That's yeah. great. Please, please talk about that. Also just from a more as a music fan or as a human being is like an emotional person, you know, why do you choose to listen to what you listen to and what, and, and yeah. what are the, what are the, who are those people? Th- you know? That's a, a great question. I, I was sitting here listening to these excellent responses and trying to think, you know, how, how I was going to work. I knew what I felt, but I didn't mm-hmm. know how I was going to say it. It reminded me of this great quote I read uh, once from the drummer from the killers, uh, Ronnie Venuccia, I believe his name is. And he said, he was kind of trying to understand 
why people go to live shows and why is there, why there is this kind of inherent connection with the musician and seeing the musician live on stage and something about the drummer and the physicality of, of banging on the drums. Mm-hmm. You can't help but feel that connection, I think, with the musician when, when uh, mm-hmm. he, or he or she is on stage just playing their soul out. And I think, you know, I obviously love, you know, listening to drummers like Taylor Hawkins or Dave Grohl or... Um, you know, you know, Chad Smith, obviously, Tim Alexander, you know, things like that. But I, if you ask me why beyond the musicality of what they're doing, I think it, it goes back to that. I love musicians who uh, express courage. And, and okay. I think being on stage and, and, and showing, you know, your soul and, and giving everything you have through your musical instrument is just, uh, for me, profound and inspiring as a yeah. musician. Yeah. And I, I seem to gravitate not towards the most necessarily uh, technical technically proficient musicians out there, but just the ones who you can see their passion when they play. That's killer. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, um, but you're a multi-instrumentalist. You play more than just drums or? Uh, No, just drums. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, you were playing the piano. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't say humble. (laughs) But so, um, so how long have you been playing the drums? I already Uh, asked you that. I think since I was about 13. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so why, why drums? Hmm. Another great question. I think when I first started playing, it was it was like a lot about you know having fun and just banging on the drums and kind of just kind of an escape perhaps. And then the more I got into it, I I, I don't know, just some kind of connection to that musical instrument. I think a lot of people perhaps there's a lot of misconceptions about drumming. Oh, you're just banging on drums. Well, I think it's it's way more than that. And um, I I, I don't know exactly why. I chose drums. Perhaps the drums chose me in some yeah. kind of way. You know, that's killer. If I, I don't know, that's yeah. killer. So, um, I, this is this is a tough question, and by no means am I am I trying to put you in some sort of like box or like to play favorites. And if you had all the time in the world, I'm sure you could you could throw out a lot of names. But like, let's just say right here on this podcast, you got you know maybe ten seconds of an answer or something. And when I ask you, um. And if you want to take 10, more than 10 seconds, but I'm just saying, like, it's, you know, in this moment, when I ask you, who are some standout drummers for you, what names come to mind? I mean, I, I would just repeat, you know, the standards. I'm always listening to Taylor Hawking, Hawking's. I like, you know, his fills. I was influenced when we were first writing our first couple of songs, just how sometimes he does these very unique things that the average listener might not notice, but are, for me, really uh really fascinating like hitting a loud crash at the beginning of going into a fill you know just something like that and picking up on those and, and drawing on those beats or or just a something that's simple i i'm really into finding simple grooves now and okay just, and just laying back yeah. and not trying to overcomplicate uh-huh things. yeah that's cool man mm-hmm. that's great that's awesome killer this is good stuff this is yeah I, i'm uh i'm i'm uh you guys are really um giving me some things to think about it's really interesting but i want to um let's why don't we talk about dead cures let's just like let's just go into that territory for a second um so because you guys are i would say you're brand new we are. you're brand new yeah, yeah. um you played shows how many shows have you guys played so far yeah yeah so that's killer so but but when did you when was your first show it's like you're like when i say brand new it's like Eight weeks at the most, even yeah. eight weeks. Yeah. yeah, no, about eight weeks. Eight that sounds right. Yeah. So half a dozen shows in eight weeks. You guys are that's prolific. That's cooking it, man. That's crushing. Yeah, we've that's great. Been having a blast because like we've just been, it's just been so productive writing together. Yeah, the writing and so specifically. Just to 
the shows have been such an opportunity to figure out what's working and not. Yeah. As I, I, I get so inspired by artists like Prince who would just have like a weekly gig at a at a dance club. Mm-hmm. And he, every week he'd just kind of make it a promise to himself probably more than the audience, but he's like, I'm going to bring something new every time. And that's what we've been doing over the last six shows. It's like every show we're like, okay, guys, you know, we rehearse twice a week. Okay, we got to write a new song and, and play it at the show. Yeah. Like, just because we're really excited about how we've been developing and just having that deadline of going, we got to have something deliverable and meaningful to the audience when we go out this week. That's killer. And so the shows have been kind of like, oh, you know, we've just been flying by the seat of our pants. Like, it's going to be great because the musicianship is all really good. But just how it happens is just like a just an immediacy because mm-hmm. we really are just like we're going for it, we're trying it. Yeah. You know, and so that's been like the most fun. And now since we've gotten someone to the, our belt and we've gotten the songs really tight, it's like okay, cool. Now we can like start inviting people to the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. Because we've just been kind of going, oh, where can we play? But where maybe nobody's gonna. Show yeah. Right, okay. Right. You were kind of like uh, you were kind of like doing some test runs and yeah, stuff, yeah, and like exactly. inviting a few people out here and yeah. there just to yeah. kind of because you got to get some people yeah. out to the show in order to sort of get some feedback yeah Yeah. stage time is just 100 percent different than playing in the basement right the songs are always a little bit different when you're plugged in yeah someone might not have like a monitor you might not be able to hear yourself it's just nice to be maybe dig into that's an opportunity to dig into something what how would you describe what the energy is so okay you're sitting at your house by yourself and you're like, oh, I have a little free time. I really like the guitar. I like, you know, that's one of my passions. I'm gonna noodle around on the guitar. There's that. There's then going to meet other musicians. You go to your band practice, or maybe you go to another whatever. Just like you're jamming with some musicians. There's that scenario, and there's a certain energy there. And then there's playing out at shows and being on stage, being up in front of people. And there's that energy. How would you? maybe describe that the difference between, the difference between those those, those things yeah and, and like like sort of what does it to say like what do you get out of it i don't want it to sound that self-interested but like you know i guess where does it take you you know well, the, the energy at my house is is 100 percent confident whereas you know if, when i go to rehearsal uh no, these guys would never judge me, and I feel so confident playing around you guys, and, and you both know that. I mean, we'll sit there and, and work on parts that I'm kind of hacking through, but you give me my space and, and yeah. let me figure out my parts. But one thing that I love about playing my house in a bedroom with four walls around you is this, you're the only one listening mm-hmm. to me, man. You can just be crazy and experimental and wild and fall into those parts that you might not fall into when somebody else is there because you're like, ah. You know, I, I have my safety zone that I don't like to go past as a musician sometimes when other people are around. Because you hit that level where you're like, people expect a certain thing to come out of my hands. You know? mm-hmm. They expect a certain level of professionalism. So I don't want to come in here and just start throwing stuff all over the place and have them be like, God, this, this kid's going a little crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's mm-hmm. going on here? So the energy at my house would just be, I, I would say, completely confident, but also 100% experimental. When I'm with them at rehearsal, there, there's still that level of confidence but it's different because everybody brings a different vibe. So as opposed to me being focused on me wanting to be crazy and experimental, I'll be focused on Evan. What's Evan doing? You know, listen okay. to the rhythm he's doing. How can I take that rhythm and put that into my guitar part? Or man, that bass line that you're doing is so freaking cool. Maybe I can harmonize with the third and the fifth of that, or maybe I can throw some chords over it, do whole notes, and give you your space. So you know, at your house, mm. 
it's all about you and what you're doing. For me, at rehearsal, it's about that group effort. How are we all going to vibe each other to mm-hmm. make the song the best possible thing? And at a show, I, personally, I just try to be as professional as possible. I want to be nice. I want to be courteous. I want to get set up on stage as quickly as possible. I don't want to go up there and, and be real loud and jam a bunch, because I know that's one thing that kind of turns me off. You see a band go up there, and everyone's kind of, you know, meddling around up front, getting drinks, and there's just a guitar player shredding, going crazy. Yeah. You know? So it, you know, it's you mean like 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 in, when they're like not they haven't started their set yet, exactly. but he's just okay. Just yeah. Up. You know, Sharon said something to me one time that that I've held on to, and I mean, you'd probably said this to me a year and a half ago, where you were like, you know, shows for us are supposed to be a good time, but they're also that's our on time, that's our work time. You know, everybody else got off work and they you know they worked really hard that day, and they're coming out here to release and have a good mm-hmm. time, and we're supposed to facilitate that good time. So it needs to be more about us facilitating a good spot for the people that paid to come see mm-hmm. us than it is about me showing off what I can do. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cool. I, I, uh, yeah, that really resonates with me. I've always felt like that, you know, um, I've always tried to encourage, you know, bands that, to, I, I, and anybody that I've seen any, any band that like I've observed come from that place, the one that comes to mind for me, I can remember. I'll never forget this. I was um, when, when I don't know when, what year it was. Probably like 2011 or something. But um, it was before like so the band fits in the tantrums. Oh, yeah, they were a big band. deal. They were a big deal in L.A. for a really long time, and they really blew up. And then you know they had that single money grabber. It was yeah. like I think it was that same year, 2011. Their record came out, and it just like blew up, and they you know everybody in the whole country got on board. But they were from L.A., and so I was out in L.A. at the time. This is like right before they like released that record, right before they blew up. And my friend was like, you want to go see Fitz and the Tantrums? I'd never heard of Fitz and the Tantrums. You know, um, let's go out to Spaceland and see him, you know. And I was like, well, what else am I going to do? I, you know, I guess so. I don't really want to go see this like pop punk band. I was ma- totally making assumptions about what I was about. What was cause to, for some reason Fitz and the Tantrums? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I'm like, whatever, you know, he's like, I'll pay for you or everything. So we go out there and uh, it's sold out, you know, and um, I'm still like, okay, like, I don't know who this is or whatever, but they put on, I mean, that's the place they came from. And you can tell when the band comes from that place, it is like the show and the energy and they sold the place out. They sold the place out. Like I think Spaceland, I don't think it's around anymore, but they used to do like on Monday nights, a residency. So like say like for a whole month a band would play but it'd be like a monday night but the show was free but then on thursday nights they do a residency and the and it would cost a cover charge so fits and the tantrums had the thursday night residency and it was sold out so they had people you know it was at capacity they wouldn't let anybody else in a residency so they're playing like every week and and people are coming to it and when you go and you see it and you see these guys playing you're like i know why you know there's like there's even celebrities are coming i remember um it happened that guy I don't know his name I think it's Jack something but he plays on Thirty Rock Kenneth that that oh, yeah. that weird dorky sort of page yeah. the NBC page guy you know who yeah. I'm talking about okay, that guy yeah he was there and um and he was just all like starstruck over the band like he like I tried to talk to him for a second it's kind of like sheepishly I, I sheepishly admit that because I'm like you know I turn around oh that's that guy hey man I you know I like your I like your show. I like your character. It's a good thing. He's like, yeah, yeah. And then he, he was like in this energy where he couldn't really talk to me because he needed to go talk to the band. And then I saw him go talk to the band and it was just like, wow. Like it was just totally like to see that. And that's what this band did. And that's what, you know, 
coming from that place, it is that. Like you do like I think it is important if you want I think it is important to have fun if you want to to like ha- genuinely have fun, exude fun if you want to create that fun environment and have people have fun. So you need to enjoy what you're doing. Oh, Nobody is going to have fun at a show if the band isn't enjoying truly enjoying and getting fulfillment out of what they're doing, yeah, yeah. right? But that same like work ethic, I really like your guys philosophy on that because it's like this we're here at work we've gotten paid these guys have paid us to entertain them for the evening and you know and create something there in that place so that's pretty cool yeah i can totally resonate with that yeah i just remember having a very strange experience i was i was playing bass for another artist and and i just remember them being so offended that people in the audience were talking Hmm. during during their performance Mm -hmm. and you just go what what are you on about? Yeah. They they came here to pay you. Yeah. If you're not engaging them, that's not their problem. Right. You know. And it's, right. These people weren't heckling or anything, but it was just such a like entitled attitude. Yeah. Just go, wow. I know. You know? That's yeah. always really turned me off. I remember being at a show once, years ago. I sort of put this show together with a band I was, this artist I was working with at the time, and then and we had another artist come and and you know I guess I think he was opening. And it was at like a sort of like it was like a like sort of like a bar. It wasn't like a like a music venue. It was more of like a sort of restaurant bar where they also had music in the corner. And um, we actually the place was really packed out. It was a pretty cool night. This guy's playing his music, and uh, in the middle of his set, like he's in the middle of a song, and he and he and he he just he starts he he berated the crowd. He st- he was like you swearing at him. He's like shut up. Like I'm trying to play a song and you guys are all talking over me and all this stuff and like you're not listening and everything and I'm like and I just like I, I, I was like I can't believe I've heard about artists doing that or whatever but I can't believe I actually witnessed that and just like clearly you don't get it man like yeah. like I feel bad for you I really hope you get to break through that because you can be such a much better artist and you're and, and unless you break through that you're not going to succeed as an artist. Yeah. Because you've got it backwards, you don't understand, and it's not about if if you're upset because people aren't hearing your music, it's not their fault. You need to go. You, I was just writing about this the other day. We get it backwards a lot of times. We focus out when we need to be focusing in, and we focus in when we need to be focusing out. Like if you if you come to me and you scream at me and you tell me I'm a, a piece of trash, and then a lot of times what I'll what people will tend to do. You know, I've done this is walk away from that beating myself up going, yeah, I'm a piece of trash when in really I should be focusing out on you and going, how can I help facilitate you to break through this? Because you're really not telling me I'm a piece of trash. You're giving me insight as to what you think about yourself. Right. And then, you know, in a perfect example, in a case like where, you know, say I'm trying to play music and people aren't resonating with the music, right. then I focus out and I'm going, look, man, I'm trying to like do this thing and you're not paying attention to me when really I need to be looking inward and going, what do I need to shift inside of me that's going to that's gonna make you be interested in, in, mm-hmm. in what I'm doing? Because, and like, clearly I'm not um, communicating that I really believe in this or that it's worth, that, that it's worthy of being listened to and that, that you can get something yeah. out of it. You're missing that message somehow. I completely you know? agree with that. I think, of course, it's it's important to be professional as musicians on stage. It's important to, you know, for us to show that we're having fun because we truly are having fun, especially in this group. We, we do have fun when oh, we play yeah. live. 
but also I think people can sense uh, when when musicians are not being authentic to their their kind of musical identity, or if they're trying to make something that they think the crowd will respond to instead of kind of looking first what they want to create and then playing that. And so I think you have to be authentic, and 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 people will sense that when you're not, and and I I think they don't respond to that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So so awesome. You guys have been that's what you've been up to, playing some shows. What else what else is going on? Like you you uh maybe mentioned you guys are doing a little bit of recording and stuff as well yeah, right now. We, we recorded one single just to kind of start getting our new sound out the mm-hmm. door and so we're going to release that next week actually. Oh cool. On the No Country for New Nashville's Oh cool. Debut it for us. Yeah. And so we just tracked it in the basement just because we, I personally, and I, probably you guys the same, but I just needed a moment to like reduce that bubble of influence on mm-hmm. my life because uh, coming off of my previous project, Kinkador, there was just starting to be this crowd of people mm-hmm. all getting a, a say. Okay. And they just truly didn't care. Like, okay. They just didn't care. Mm. And I was bending over backwards trying to accommodate their influence for no reason and so we kind of just said wait let's just like let's like reboot this yeah let's like protect this thing a bit yeah and so we've been doing that and like you know for, like i probably i hate saying like when i have moments of, of dry spells creatively but like for that last like uh year of working in the kinkoder project i didn't write any songs for that project mm. I, I made an entire different record by myself with my okay friend. made a missionary record and, a missionary um, record. Yeah, it's like okay. this, this kind of, but kind of like a side project. Okay. The co-writer of mine. It's okay. Just, we just we made a whole record. Okay. And we did, you know, the project, the main project, didn't get any creative energy flow in that direction because I was so blocked because I was so worried about making sure this group of people was on board and supportive mm. and, and uh, just wanting to to make it go, you know, whatever mm. that is. Yeah. And so just taking a step back and going, you know what? we're the only people that really care Mm. in a passionate way. So why don't we just worry about what we want to make happen and not write a bunch of checks for people who just disappeared Mm. the day that it's cash. Yeah. So we're just, just kind of suffering a lot of like two faced behavior from from people who took a lot of money out of my pocket. And so I just said, let's just see what we can do for free. Mm. You know, it's just been way more positive at this stage. I mean, we are going to get to that point where we feel confident enough like we as a band are sort of right. like in the bedroom you know right like we need this protective zone this cocoon right now because we're just starting and so once we get these songs to this point then we're going to feel more and more comfortable to right let other people in because our values are going to be but the aligned. diy has been so much fun it's man. been it, fun it's been so much yeah. fun doing the music video the photo shoots yeah. you know yeah. doing all the co-writing that we've been doing lately like i have personally been having a blast yeah it's been cool because right now we haven't hit any limits with it that's killer are, so. there's so much there's that 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 opens up a whole um thing i want to really dive into here in the second half of the podcast but we are uh, we're already kind of at the halfway point so it'd be cool to play another song yeah. Yeah, um definitely. not to like throw a wrench in like our flow of like we're getting in a good conversation but i think we can pick up on that after sure. the uh after the song yeah. and Great. uh yeah i want to hear another so while uh you can go ahead and get get on the kit you guys get set up and while you guys are doing that i'm gonna take a minute to do a, little, a few promo items for the uh for the podcast so cool. this is episode 27 of the modern recordist we're here with uh with dead cures and uh, having an awesome conversation 
and uh, uh, yeah, it's great. We um, we're here at uh, Glass Onion Recording. This is the home of the Modern Recordist and the place where I do most of my work out of. And then uh, uh, I share studio space here. JD, he is the main man behind Glass Onion Recording. And uh, he does most of his work out of here, too. It's a great, vibey spot here in Nashville. Go check out Glass Onion Recording. Uh, there's a Facebook page. So facebook.com slash glassonionrec. You can check it out and uh, check out everything that's going on over there, all the uh, pictures and uh, all the projects that have been going on. Check it out. Like the page, etc. I am your host, John Stinson. I'm a producer recording engineer mix engineer working out in nashville got a lot of irons in the fire do this podcast obviously uh in addition to that i run a website i got a blog on my website johnsinson.com where i share a lot of information on just talk about creativity and uh recording and same kind of philosophies and such uh that i like to spread on this podcast and you can hear past episodes of this show and everything check out recording drums 101 which is a resource that i put together on my website that's simple tips for recording drums things that i've learned over 10 years of recording um the idea is so that you can record your music get in the studio and record drums are a complicated thing that can kind of bog you down so this is a a, a way of just not even really having to think about that so that you can just focus on making great music and recording a great record or just documenting uh demos or songwriting demos or ideas or whatever, but make it sound great. So this is stuff I've picked up or read about from uh, the pros. Um, so it's not just, you know, cheap makeshift ideas. This is like proven stuff that has really been done on on big records. People like Glenn Johns or Brendan O'Brien or um, some mentors I've had direct contact with, like people like Jakir King. I've picked up a lot of great um, things over the years. So go check it out. Recording drums, one one check out my website, John Stinson.com J O N S T I N S O N.com. There's no H and John's a little bit tricky there. And then I want to give a shout out to parish who helps out in terms of social media and some promotion and, uh, post-production things like that on this show. He's a producer engineer in Nashville as well, plays in a band, had them uh, on the show, and uh, and Parrish drops in on the show from time to time as well. You can check him out at JonathanPaulParish.com and uh, get in touch with him. Um, so that's that. Uh, make sure you're subscribed in iTunes. And thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, Dead Cures are set up to play another song. I'm going to turn on the reverb. And then uh, we're going to jam. Boom. Message on the phone 
That's a killer guitar line. That's killer. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Nice vocal melody, too. Your vocal, that's the, I'm always drawn in by uh, the melodies you've got on your vocals. It's really, yeah, that's kind of, that's the, uh, yeah, that's kind of what draws me in with, I love it. I love the, I love the, uh, it's the two, I think the two things um, that uh, have always like really right off the bat like captured me are like, that's sort of the the timbre of your voice. It's very, it's a cool like unique timbre that you've got, and like just melodically, the way that you sing, you know, that's always like it's been always kind of a, a special sort of thing that's like hooked me, you know, and um, yeah, always there's and then of course musically, just the way that's like there's always been an atmosphere like how like just different melodies and sort of like rhythms. There's the interplay of like the bass. Bass is like. You kind of have this melodic thing going on, but also it's just the way that it's like rhythmically kind of like grooves in with yeah. the drums. And then, of course, there's always been cool, like, you know, just in general, like with the with the um, sort of the in Sharon Coltick world. I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, because like because <laughs> like, you know, um, I was just trying to find the best musicians. I yeah. Can. <laughs> So basically, I'm like, just did you hear what I just did there? I, I gave I, I gave Sharon all the credit <laughs> yeah. for like your guitar lines and your yeah, like your right, bass right. grooves and everything. No, no. <laughs> no, but honestly, it's it's cool, man. It's like I'm a guitar geek. You know, I can really appreciate drums. You know, I'm not a drummer, but I want to be one. Yeah, I, I play one on the internet kind of because I, I do that like that recording drums on a one thing that I that I promo. Yeah, that sounds cool. A lot of people um come up to me and go, Yeah, you write about playing drums, right? You're a drummer. And I'm like, No, I. I I record drums really well. I can't play them really well, but I know how to make them sound good on a recording, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but yeah, I can really appreciate drums. It's like, it's the thing I, I want to be able to do. Maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll dig in and, like, <laughs> and learn it. And then like always, of course, appreciate a guitar player. Um, you know, I, I kind of, um, I haven't kept my chops up because I've been more of like a producer than like the last 10 years. So, yeah, <laughs> but I can still, yeah. Plus it's broken. Yeah, this plays. To, it's it's hard to play guitar with a broken hand. Uh, but uh, you know, I can still I can still air guitar. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, but we were talking before we uh before we jammed out. Um, I wanted to dig into this, and um, so, the who, what, when, why, where, all that of Dead Cures and 
kind of talk about there's an opportunity. I think there's a cool opportunity here to talk about Kinkador, where you came from and that experience, the challenges. And then like, because to me in the way that you sort of like set it up and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the sort of the way I interpret it, the way, I, the way that uh, it landed with me was that it became a challenging thing. Okay, and you needed to have sort of like a rebirth, and this is sort of the rebirth to so like shed all that dead weight, free yourself again, and you kind of like, which is really cool because you sort of like a light bulb went off. It seems like for you, and this like, wow, I've got a lot of psychological drag here. Why am I not? And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seemed like I may not be enjoying this. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling being creative. What can I do to break through? So let's talk about the who, what, when, where, why, all that of dead yeah. cures. Yeah. But let's not let's not miss the opportunity to kind of like, you know, that be able to sort of like talk about that breakthrough that you had, what Kinkador was, and where it got to, and and then what it led to ultimately dead cures and and all that. That's a lot to unpack there. But however you kind of want to start, if you want to start with the sort of talk about sort of the dead cures project. A little bit and the concept and anybody can chime in but you know or whatever whatever you want to yeah, take I think it a fun way to, to think about it maybe just going through just like i can just say quickly like the 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 way we talked about like high school sharing versus now sharing it's kind of the same thing as as when i first started the kinkador project it was when i first came to nashville and i was very optimistic and very mm -hmm. hopeful and really looking for a team of people to work with like musicians and I had gotten a group together, and it was all like uh, all for one and one for all kind of vibe, until it came down to making a decision, mm -hmm. having to put money in, and mm -hmm. then it all became like, well, guess whose project it is? Mm -hmm. you know, the person who's willing to actually do those those tough things. Mm -hmm. And so that was a little tough to move through, but it was positive because it, it allowed me to be a leader and keep the project going over several years despite mm -hmm. losing a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. But the same thing is, at the end of the day, it's not just a business project, you're making art. Mm -hmm. And so if you lose that emotional support, you lose just that like team, mm -hmm. you lose so much. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for a while I was trying to put on a face where I go, well, it doesn't matter, you know, this is this and this is the thing. But me personally, I, I vibe so well in like a group environment. Mm -hmm. And I just really needed that to feel like, we're doing something fun, we're doing something together, and we're writing something better than I can just do by myself. Mm -hmm. Because I truly want input from everyone. This mm -hmm. is truly like, you know, we just split everything three ways. Mm -hmm. The creative stuff, we just do like the, hey, we're all in the room, we're all working on it. Mm -hmm. This is just how it is because we don't want to have blocks between this is, mm -hmm. this is yours, this is mine, this is that, this is the thing. And so Dead Cures has become that, and it's been just, it's just been like off to the races. Cool. Yeah been so productive writing i mean we've just been writing like non-stop and cool. it's just getting better all the time so. what's the uh so what is as you transition to this new thing what's the num? what do you what's the number one takeaway the lesson that you've had um as you've come up in your challenges evolved as an artist you had the opportunity and i i, I deliberately sort of misused that word but as as Kinkador came to its challenges and it came to an end, mm -hmm. you could have said, I hang up the gloves. You could have made up a story about any number of things of why you're not going to continue to do this, mm -hmm. you know, create art and create music and stuff. 
but you didn't make that decision. You know, you, 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 you push through that and you're still doing it. You're still yeah. making art, you know? Yeah. And so what is, uh, what's, what would you say is the number one thing that you learned? Yeah. It's a, it's using the kinkador as a reason to quit altogether versus going, you know, that's the end of that project. And this is a new project. It's not the end of my creative life. Mm. I think, I think it was just the mentality I've had for a long time is why, you know, I don't run around performing under a solo name mm-hmm. is that I've always wanted my life to sort of like have this longer trajectory where it's like, you know what, this project is going to run and it's going to be this group of people. And then when that's done and dead, I can move on and have a new project and a new name. And it doesn't have to always be tied to just me or just some one idea. So. Mm-hmm. So for me, when Kinkadar was done, I mean, I I must I just love writing songs. Mm-hmm. I love writing songs, mm-hmm. and so part of that is like writing songs to communicate some ideas. So I just that I I have more ideas. I absolutely love uh, playing music. It's like my main source of joy in my mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. like for me, that was just a no brainer to continue and just try something new. Mm-hmm. You know, not just rely on ourselves and you know, try to make something special because my songwriting has gotten better and better over the years, mm-hmm. even though like the project itself became dysfunctional because the, the, you know, probably because of me and where I was, it just wasn't something fulfilling for me anymore. So the whole group around it became dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just needed something for me to go, you know what? I don't have to be anything anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be this person. I don't have to play these instruments if I don't want. I don't have to sing in this way. Mm-hmm. And so I can just go, okay, let's just like see where this goes and how I feel right now and the songs I want to write right now. I don't mm-hmm. have to match anything up to mm-hmm. anything old. Mm-hmm. Just do something totally new. Yeah. So, and like this group of people has just been awesome. I mean, we've all been writing and contributing. And so to me, it's just like a no brainer. Yeah. We just have to give that thing a name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So what, um, and I want to go back to something that you said earlier that also stuck out and resonated to me. And you said, uh, in reference to kind of like playing shows, it was, but I think that you can you can look at this as like just as the broad sort of applied to what you're creating. But you said, you know, creating meeting with people, like how, how are we going to create? I don't remember. You, you kind of just like, basically you threw it out. It's like, which piqued, piqued my interest is like creating meaning. You know, and so what is, what is that for you and, and, um, how are you steeping that into this project? What is, when you think of that in terms of, you know, dead cures in that space and everything? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the question of why, why don't I just sit at home and write songs in my room? Why do I need to record them? Why do I need to like put them out in mm-hmm. the world? And I guess it's because like, I feel like, you know, there is, uh, there are some absolutes in life, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is good, there is bad. Uh-huh. Those, there is a good way to to live your life, and it's not about trying to like tell people, like, you know, get off the drugs and like work hard, you know. But it's just kind of thinking like, I don't know. I personally have had so much just like pain and suffering mm-hmm. for just no reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So many people have just mm-hmm. like pain that just like from they do it to themselves, mm-hmm. and so I guess like that's my internal mission with the music and the band is going like, man, like we, you don't have to do that. Mm. I don't, for me, I don't have to do that. And like, maybe you're listening to these songs. You can think about like, you just don't have to be in pain mm. like in your life, in your, in your world. Like they just can take a step back and just 
know, okay, it, it's, we're all human. It's just kind of like that hippie idea. Sure. And they're, they're all very positive, which I yeah. think, you know, for some reason, I don't know why, but it seems like, uh, especially in rock and roll, people are so afraid to put out an image of positivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not attached to rock and roll that much. Mm-hmm. That's, see, that's one thing I love about working with you, especially as a lyricist, is, yeah. you know, you're not afraid to put that out there, and it's something someone can really listen to, attach themselves, and take something positive away from it, as opposed to it always having to show overcoming from a darker part, yeah. a darker place. You know? I think that, I think that, you know, I don't know whether it's, I resonate with that, you know, I don't know whether it's just where, that it's the time in my life where I'm like, my um, emotional and mental spirit is shifting and I'm seeing things differently, but it's always been for me kind of, I have had that hang up about like, um, maybe I guess more or less to like really simplify it to say like, it's not cool to be touchy feely and positive or whatever. Yeah. And if you, yeah, if you want to, if you're going to be like this rock guy or whatever, especially like the kind of, I don't know. Um, and I keep throwing out like Marilyn Manson and that kind of stuff. That's not really, I mean, honestly, I didn't really listen to a lot of that stuff. I mean, I was really more listening to the, not things that were like that necessarily uh, um, controversial or something, you know. Right. But um, but it was just, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, yeah, like that's, exactly. you know what I mean? And like that just pretty much sums it up right there, you know. And so like to go like, you know, positives and hugs and like and, and, and like, you know – acknowledgement and generosity that's that's not really rock and roll that's not rock and roll man rock and roll is like throwing you know getting like down in a a bottle of whiskey and throwing a tv out the window in the hotel room you know um so i kind of had some hang-ups like that you know but i and and i'm yeah and i think that lately i've been sort of like maybe kind of like rethinking that breaking through and just there's a there's like this like okay i think that like people like um madonna and beyonce more, maybe or even like and then like the male version like be uh bono okay yeah. those guys <clears throat> excuse me those people embody something like when i think of bono i don't think about down in a bottle of whiskey and throwing the tv out the window right, right. but he's rock and roll right you know he yeah, is you know and but he's but he's like empowering and he's because, like like think about his songs like sunday bloody sunday yeah he's about his personal struggle now i mean he's writing a song about this like mm-hmm. thing that happened to society yeah and so Rock and roll can be larger, right. like larger than yourself. Yeah, larger totally, than like two totally, bubble. totally. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the same thing. Like, but yet somehow, like he's still Bono is still like I, he can be rock and roll enough. Like some there's still like sort of that edginess that's steeped into it, you know. And then I think of people like Madonna and people like that. That there's edginess and there's controversy steeped into it, but it's in this way of like, you know, more of sort of like there's also this this empowerment, this uplifting, and this like. Like really, it's about like be unapologetically you, right? You know, it's that kind of thing that I get from that. You know, um, so I've kind of been reframing it a little bit, but yeah, I did. I had this like this hang up about, you know, you can't really be too positive or something. It's okay. Like then it's you get well received. Yeah, and you get into this thing where where you kind of mess with your your mind. Like, okay, when I'm like hanging out with my friends or when I'm with people, you become two people. Yeah. I think that that era of time is kind of over. We have our little masks. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I think that now I think that people value when you show up authentically you all the time and that mm-hmm. there's 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 ways of uh seeing through 
I don't know if it's like sort of whatever it is, the internet or people have gotten smarter or whatever. But, you know, when it was like you would watch MTV or look at Rolling Stone magazine and that was how you experienced rock and roll. It was kind of like you could just, oh, this is like you're playing, you're an actor, you're playing this thing. It's like that 2D version of it. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, think about how interconnected we are now. Mm -hmm. And you see these things, and I mean, I hate to bring up stuff like Facebook and stuff, but honestly, you see a lot of people gravitate more towards the positive things where you see somebody helping somebody Mm -hmm. than they do the negative things. Now, you're always going to have people that gravitate towards negative things, but I feel like the way now the technology that we have allowing ourselves to you know i can literally talk to you if you were in ireland right now i could immediately have a conversation mm-hmm. with you and that kind of interconnectivity is allowing us to be more of ourselves because you're there all the time mm-hmm. you know you're always connected to someone somewhere if you want to be mm-hmm. you know so i feel like it maybe it's just with more practice you know maybe our generation being uh, surrounded by the amount of technology we have, just had the opportunity more than any other generation had mm-hmm. to be kind. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I, it's 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 like a. I think it's a it's a it's to me the way it looks to me is like it's a it's a it's a reactionary effect that happened by the cause of this hyperconnectivity. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. It's not, it's not, I don't think that it's not, it, it just sort of like, it, it, it just was the effect. It just kind of like it happened. You know what I mean? It's Sometimes like. It seems like it's like because of the way that social networks interact, brands have been sneaking in, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and oh, yeah. Befriending everyone and disguising themselves as a spokesperson here and there and everywhere. Right. And so that, I think part of that authenticity that people are craving is they're so sick of being marketed to all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. And they want to, They all they have to do is like peek just a little bit behind the curtain and they go, okay, well, yeah, there's like sponsored by that. Yeah. And so people just like don't want that anymore. Right. So the more authentic you can be, the more you can have a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Whatever authentic means. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. going back to the sex, drugs, rock and roll idea, I've thought about this a lot too, you know, because it's like, well, I love sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but like, you know, at some point in your life, you go, I. I don't need to, I figured that stuff out. Yeah. So can you be like, can you be a rock and roller like past the age of 17? But I think like the reason it's so powerful is that it's like has to do with a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, I like that. You know what I mean? It's a rite of passage where every person in like whatever age people go through, I don't know, in your teenage years, you're exploring your body, your mm-hmm. sexuality, like your power, mm-hmm. your physical being and like experimenting with like altered states of mind mm-hmm. and things that people like go through that rite of passage mm-hmm. and that music emulates that rite of passage. And so mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they go, I'm experiencing this. And I think people get stuck in that phase. Mm-hmm. You go, no, no, it's a rite of passage. You're just yeah. Passed through right. That. Yeah. Then, Interesting. And so you can stay there for a while, but you're just putting yourself in purgatory. Yeah. So what do you do where you go? Yeah, yeah, I, I went through that. Now I'm ready for the next level. Yeah. Like you're talking about evolution. What's the next phase? Right. What else can I discover? What's the next passageway for me? Yeah. So that's why it's like this positivity and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of people stuck in phase one. Yeah. And like, yeah. so I guess for me as a music- musician, I go, how can I help these poor people? Yeah. Okay. Phase that's cool. Like, yeah. I like that. Like, yeah. There's a wider world out there. And so, you know, I, I don't know anything about anything. I, you know, I'm, I'm like from the Midwest. I live in Nashville. Like my exposure to the global world is through the computer. Sure. But I think it's important to like think about it, ask questions about it. But it's also, you know, you say your exposure to the global world is through the computer. But you 
are also a touring musician. And right. the, okay, so that doesn't, you know, it's one thing to be a touring musician and touring in certain regions of the United States, and a different thing to live in a conflict zone for three years right. and try to, you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm not trying to belittle, right. you know, or, or sort of overextend, you know, what you have experienced, but it also should be recognized. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Um, you've you've seen more than just you know a lot of people who will live in like a 20,000 person town right. and just you know my dad was worked at that factory and I'm working at that factory and everything not you know there's nothing wrong with that but I'm just saying that you know um you've broken out of like a bubble mm-hmm. you know and there's and it has affected you obviously you've seen enough to sort of be have this awareness to have you felt it right because you said like you struggled and kind of went through some pain and suffering and for what what you what you feel is like for no reason i guess at the end of the day it's all kind of for no reason if you really think about it a lot of times this is a i'm yeah i'm kind of going doing the john simpson thing here and following this trail for a minute but sometimes i visualize our entire universe as just an anthill somewhere and there's another entity looking down on the anthill and just like, oh, there's not really any rhyme or reason to those simple creatures. And so, like, if you see an ant suffering or something, you're going like, there's not really any reason for that. That doesn't seem, you know, but then down here, when we're down here in this, you know, it, it seems, so that's a little bit of a digression. But, you know, um, there's a purpose for, you know, it, it's it's meaningful, like. You have felt that you have had experiences. You're doing something about it. You're cre- it's you're being creative out of it. You're taking, you know, some of that stuff and like, you know, take making it into something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, that's that's interesting. So it makes me think about like, what is what is your music? That's a big question, right? Like, mm-hmm. like what is your music in the in the grand scheme of like that? When we're talking about it in the context of like that and people making a difference and showing people like there's these people stuck at like level one at this place in this rite of passage, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. what's your music? What's the function? Well, I guess that's like how we even came up with the name. That's the group. That's awesome. Yeah. Dead cures. Okay. You know, just this idea of like, you know, I've done it. You get stuck in trying the same solution. You get stuck in a loop in your mind and you're going, well, this worked like a year ago. Mm. This worked three years ago. This worked last week. I'm just going to keep, you know, spinning this loop, spinning this loop. And you go, yeah, I can't do that. I got to step outside. Mm. So I guess in like big ways and small ways, the dead cures idea has been going like, we're just going to like stop doing all the things we did before. Uh. All those loops. We want to just like stop all the loops. Yeah. And just kind of like move forward. So the name is just always to like remind me, like, what what are the cures that everybody's got in their life that aren't working for them? Mm. Like, how can we just sort of like shed a little light on that for people? Uh, you mm. know? That's, that's kinda, cool. That's kind of the mission in my mind. I don't yeah. know what you guys yeah. think. Yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with that as well. And, you know, the music, it's always going to kind of be this amorphous blob. Yeah. Of, you know, it's always changing and always rotating. And it's always going to be... Hopefully something different. I would feel that, you know, the older you get, the longer we play together, the more it will progress in a yeah. positive way for us. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you said, man. Uh, to me, it's, it's, you know, it's a hand coming out, let me help you up from where you're at right now to come to that next, that next level. And, again, you know, who are we? Right. You know, it's not like we haven't had these amazing experiences, but if we can help two or three people, I mean, that makes it worth it, right? Sure. Yeah. I think about, so there's this thing, you know, imposter syndrome right Mm -hmm. you barely touched on it just then right this idea of 
here's this person struggling. And then I'm going to come and like try to help them. But then like, who am I anyway? Cause I've got my own struggles and I'm only human. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's how we do it. Right. I think that looking forward, being a person is to, to, to be vulnerable enough to say, humble and vulnerable enough to say, I've got my own struggles. Here's what they are. And so therefore I'm going to push through my own limiting beliefs, but then also at the simultaneously kind of focusing in an area of like, I'm going to show up for you and support this. You know, people have supported me. I'm going to show up for other people, you know, and and, and learning to overcome those struggles yourself. You know, you're giving somebody like, man, I was in that exact same situation, mm -hmm. you know, and like he came through it this way or she came through it this way. Let me try that. I haven't tried that yet. You know, you can shed light on a, you know, on a problem in a different way than they might not have. Totally. Without the information. Totally. Totally. So that's what makes it, that's what makes it all have meaning. You went through a struggle. There was a reason for it, you know, and part of your breakthrough process is I think there's, it kind of comes in two places. It's one being vulnerable just to, to admit that, Hey, the emperor has no clothes. I'm standing, I am standing naked, right. You know, and being vulnerable. Right. And then also in the sense of, um, part of your breakthrough is helping other people. And in that process, it always keeps you um, – I because I've had a lot of experiences where because I went to somebody and spoke into something, I walked away and I'm like, whoa, that's that's like that's what I need. Yeah. That's exactly what I need to do, right? That's a big part of this podcast for me. Every other week, I do a thing where I sit and I, I do a 15-minute thing. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether or not I'll continue that because it just takes a lot of time to do. But I have gotten a lot of it out of it because the re- – like the way I pick the topic for that particular week is I sit down and I'm like, what's happening with me and where can I be vulnerable? And where am I like, I just think about, I reflect on things that maybe they're a struggle or maybe it was just a recent breakthrough or a recent epiphany or whatever. And always when I'm like, I'll be, I'll be like crafting this thing and I'll somewhere towards the end of it, realize like, this is, I need to like, I need to do this. Like there's, there's, you know, it's like, I don't necessarily, it's like, I'm not necessarily actually, like I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm intellectually aware of it, but I'm not necessarily 100% applying this. Now I've spoken it out to hundreds of people. I really need to do this, you yeah, know, and take action on this. Yeah, like yeah, out, right? absolutely. Yeah. There's power in the voice. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great observation. That's a great observation, man. I feel like um, I feel like I need to direct a question towards you because I haven't, sure. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but your experience. So your experience of. Um, of dead cures. I'd love to hear about, um, you know, how you, you, uh, found yourself drumming in the band. Sure. And, um, your experience so far and, and the shows that you've, you guys have played half a dozen shows, give or take. Talk about those experiences. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of years ago I did some fill in work for a couple of shows with Kinkador. Um, yeah. always been a fan of Kinkador and their music and sharing songwriting, excellent musician, excellent leader. Um, <laughs> Um, also, I've been really drawn to the drumming of Kinkador, the past drummers, very kind of tribal grooves and, and um, really fascinating to learn those drum parts and then to play them live has been fulfilling as a musician. Uh, but I guess I got the call, I, I was playing in another band previously and then that band kind of broke up and then I got the call kind of, I think it was in May 
of yeah. this year to do a show. Actually, I the, filling in for um, the last few Kinkador shows. Mm-hmm. I think the, the first show I did that, Lightning yeah. 100. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, hey, man, we're, next week we're playing live on Lightning 100 for now. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to come play? Yeah. Of course, bless Evan's heart. He was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. Yeah. had to learn these songs. Cool. Just yeah. But because of it, you know, how well he helped me out in the past, I knew that I could count on him for that. And then it's just going, well, wait a second. A guy that I could count on is a great drummer. <laughs> that sounds like somebody I need in my life, you know. So. And, and I found as a drummer and as a musician in Nashville, a lot of it is, you know, being a, a great musician, but a lot of it is, you know, just being professional and being yeah. reliable and being yeah. dependable. And just being a, like a good hang, you know. If, if you're just yes. like just cool to hang yes. out with and a nice person, you're gonna get some gigs and, and you're gonna find some success in this kind of industry as a musician. So yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me the same thing. Where it's just like, man, we have passed over so many musicians that were maybe not uh, that were better than the guy that we chose, but the guy that we chose was so much of a better hang. He had the chops. He did a great job. But we also just enjoyed his company or mm-hmm. her company. Yeah, you know. There's something to be said about having a good personality, yeah. you know, and, and really being, you know, patient and, and kind with the people that you're around, yeah. you know. I mean, obviously practice and, you're, and, and having the chops is key, but also keeping that humble attitude, mm-hmm. you know, and being willing to work with other people and be malleable and flexible, mm-hmm. you know. It's just as important as being a good musician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, if not more important, you Absolutely. know. Yeah. I, I've had some my own similar experiences in the studio with people. Um, actually, ended up uh, when I was on staff at a studio, like my first studio gig. Actually, got uh, actually got more gigs than a couple of other guys that were on staff at the time because um, because I was just a good hang, a good hang you know, and like <laughs> I, I made people feel valued, you know, and that kind of stuff, and and. and yeah. Studio space, man, yeah. Building people up because that's you know that's where people's you know not being confident comes out a lot. When yeah. You're just oh, yeah. looking through a glass window and there's all these people staring at you. You know you just you can get nervous. Right. And having someone like that, like you in there, being like, hey man, you you sound great. Mm-hmm. You're doing a great job. Thank you. You know that can just give you that little uh, that burst of energy mm-hmm. and confidence that you need to t- get a great take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. So. Um, yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of great stuff we've covered, and, and uh, I don't want to be redundant, you know, but I want to, uh, I kind of want to drill into some things, you know, some big things like talking the idea of, um, I think, you know, just the opportunity that music, I really want to use this platform as this podcast to really drive home, like, how impactful music is and the opportunity of anybody who is um a music creator to really think from that place and they get bigger in their thinking mm-hmm. you know and beyond just record sales and you know blog features and things <laughs> you know yeah. because yeah, you want to have that, right? But you want to focus beyond that because that stuff is feedback, right? It's good yeah. feedback to know um, what's working and what isn't working. Mm-hmm. But it's not the thing. It's not the thing. Living the Jay-Z life isn't the thing. <laughs> the thing is like if you're living the Jay-Z life, it means, well, I must have, you know, I must have impacted a lot of people. I must have right. done something, right, you know? So 
that's what this is about. And so in the in the uh, as we kind of begin to get to the end of the show, um, that's kind of what I want to take this is like and ask a question about legacy that you want to leave. You know, musical vision, the musical yeah. vision for which we've in more way or another we've kind of touched on a lot of that stuff, like the vision of Dead Cures. You know, but like we can let's let's just put that on the table and like speak it plainly. You can think about the music that the 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 vision of Dead Cures, but also your own vision for you as a musician and a writer, and you as a musician and a writer, you as a musician and a writer, and what it is, what is it individually, what is it collectively as you as you guys come together as a group to create meaning with people and significance and leave a legacy. You know, uh, in 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 the context of everything that we talked about in this podcast, and so well, how about we go the opposite way and start with you? And what do you individually? What's your vision musically as a musician, as a creator? What what's your vision? Uh, honestly, man, I would just like to continue to surround myself with people that I have fun with playing music. the The goal would to be able to support myself and my girlfriend just playing music. But that doesn't mean playing in front of hundreds of thousands of people and, and having you know a Bentley out in my garage. It just means being able to pay the rent and keep the lights on and have food and just, just feel comfortable. I just want to be able to buy groceries, mm -hmm. you know? So whether that means, you know, I, I, I stay with Dead Cures for a while and we do this thing and see where it takes us, but, you know, even... Bands fall away, and, and people, you know, things happen. People get married, and they have babies, and, and, and jobs take over. But, I mean, I, I just know personally for myself that I can't do anything else besides music. And it sounds like we're all kind of in the same boat. I just don't have any other avenue to get, uh, to, to express myself, you know. And once you get a taste of that absolute self-expression that, you know, especially any kind of art can give you, but for me it would be music, I just can't go back, you know. That's the one drug I will always be mm. hooked on. Uh, so, the, I mean, the, the legacy that I would I would hope to leave behind wouldn't be necessarily having my name up on a billboard anywhere, but would just be for the people that played with me to be like, man, that guy tried really hard. He was good at what he did, and I enjoyed playing with him. Cool. Awesome. What about you? Great answer, Michael. Oh. That was a great answer. I guess in terms of my musical vision, I, I think it's centered um, on, you know, growing and, and evolving as a musician and becoming better at serving the song and, and being collaborative and trying to do what's best always for the, the, the wholeness of the song itself. Um, in terms of my vision for this band, I think we, we, as, we as humans gravitate or towards community. And I think bands are a really cool form of community, not only for the people who are in the band, but if you can establish some kind of connection to those who are listening or those who show up to a show. And then that in that moment itself is, is a really cool and valuable moment of, of human community. And and so I see music, uh, you know, functioning in that way. And, and, I, and I like that, you know. So. Awesome. Cool. Great. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Very cool. Sharon? <laughs> you guys, yeah, you guys, you guys are a great team here. This is awesome. Very special yeah. people, and uh, man, it's just I, I, it's not really zen, but I just maybe I'm just like a space cadet sometimes. But I just feel like I'm always kind of being moment to moment, and mm -hmm. so to think so long term about like what's my 
boy, you see, mm-hmm. such a, uh, a profound and hard thing to think sure. about. Sure, yeah. It's just yeah. kind of like, just those abstract ideas of like, you know, I want to feel valuable. And so to feel valuable, I need to bring value to other people. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like creating a community, being a part of a community, supporting other people, supporting other musicians, like supporting my my life and uh, the people I care about. So it's just kind of like, how can I bring positivity? How can I reduce struggle for anyone, mm. you know? And have fun doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that's important. Uh, yeah, you just have to have fun because you need that uh, that release of emotion. Absolutely, whatever it is. Totally. So I guess that's that's my hope for for myself that I can continue to be innovative and creative for years and years and years and um, support the talent of the people around me <clears throat> and be a part of a positive community. Killer. <laughs> killer <laughs> killer yeah what a great um what a great time it's been hanging yeah. out and what a great conversation and um yeah i really i really appreciate you guys spending time with me sharing your music with me and my listeners uh today and uh all the like profound insights that you shared i've learned a lot um and it's such a blessing to I started this show as something that was partially, hey, it'd be kind of cool to do a podcast. And then also partially, it'd also be a good sort of way for me to just like promote what I do. And then as I started to do the podcast, I really kind of it 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 has shaped me and it's been really cool. And I get to have conversations like this. Uh, with people like you guys, and um, and it's just great. It's awesome. I, I learn. I'm just finding like it's an. Ex- I'm I'm very much an experiential learner, and this is a great context for me to do that. And today, I've learned a lot. Um, just even in the process of well, a listening to your guys' answers, and it's a lot of great things for me to like take away. And I know a lot of other people will get takeaways from this too, and it's awesome. And it's also just in the process of sticking with it and um, and us doing this in the face of like resistance, technical resistance <laughs> that we had and things like that. And it's great. And I appreciate your guys' patience in that and everything. But it's just a testament just to show that it's just like the power. It's like I'm sitting amongst some powerful people, you know, and it's great. So thank you guys for bringing that here, you know, and, uh, and Thanks sharing. for having us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I uh, I do acknowledge I, I acknowledge you guys for um, each one of you. I want to acknowledge you know for the perseverance that it takes to be an independent musician and a creative and um, and and thought provoking, you know, and um, and uh, steeping that into your creation, into your creativity, and um, yeah, being intentional in that, you know. And so I I, I want to acknowledge you guys for that. It's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's that. Let's let's jam out with another song. And and bef- real quick, I do want to give you the opportunity as we as we uh, wrap up the show, where people can follow up with you guys, find out more. What's the best place to go? Where are you guys hanging online and stuff like that these days? Um, we like to keep it pretty simple. We have our website deadcures.com, and then you cool. can link out to the um, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's kind of okay. Where I've been having the most cool. Fun. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, but yeah, 
We'll have a bunch of new music coming out soon. Yeah. We got music. Video. We'll have and uh, actually, YouTube is really like cool. special for us. We're getting ready to launch that. Awesome. Um, we're getting ready to put out a, a music video. I think we're going to put it out at the beginning of December. And so we'd love um, subscribers on the YouTube channel. Killer. Because that's going to be kind of a place for us to okay like this. cool cool we can uh, link that up in the show notes and everything but um so, but deadcures.com mm-hmm. and then if you go on youtube it would be you just like yeah the best way would be to go to deadcures.com and okay link over to it so okay we're trying to hit the i think you gotta have 100 subscribers to get the vanity url so oh we'd love oh to, gotcha we'd love to hit that more okay there's no Content well, yet, but we're putting our first video out in December. So killer. Love some early support. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's 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 get um let's get a hundred subscribers over to Dead Cures YouTube channel like ASAP. Go over there, subscribe, <laughs> hit their website, deadcures.com, click over to their YouTube channel, subscribe. Let's get them to a hundred subscribers. Uh, let's see how fast we can do it. Yeah. Awesome. We'll link all that up in the show notes too, but you guys make sure you do that. Um, killer. Well, that's it. That's uh, that's episode 27 of The Modern Recorders. Thank you guys for being here. You guys are going to – why don't you guys gear up to play out with the last song? Uh, thank you guys for listening and being listeners. We are in the uh, – we are in the – I heard a pop, so that kind of like freaked me out for a second. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, we're in that – we're like in the halfway zone of The Modern Recorders. We've been doing this roughly six months um, and you know, 20, let's see episodes like 25, 26, 27, I would consider that sort of the halfway zone. Uh, we do this show weekly. Uh, so 52 episodes roughly would be the year mark. And so we're in the halfway zone, get subscribed. Let's do a push, get subscribed. We're in the halfway zone here. And, uh, this la- this first six months of the show has been profound and amazing. And, uh, I'm really fired up and I want to make the next six months. I want to, I want to triple down. So let's do it. Get subscribed, stay subscribed. Uh, Give us a rating and review as well on iTunes. That's all that is going to help us. It's going to help us stay relevant in the charts and iTunes is going to help this propagate out to as many people as possible and spread uh, uh, ideas like the ones that are spread each week on this show for free to as many people as possible. And speaking of spreading ideas, if you got something out of this show and this episode and you know a friend or two that would as well, then share it with them. Share with a couple of friends and uh, turn them on to these ideas. Um, and uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll rock the world. And uh, that's that. Thank you guys for being subscribers. This is the Modern Recordist. Go out there and live your extraordinary life of an artistic visionary. Create something impactful in the world. And let's jam to Dead Cure's final song.